Good morning. Welcome to Refuge. Today is Sunday, April 26, and we're gathering together as a church family, uh, Refuge Bible Fellowship, but of course, the invitation is extended to everyone, um, to anyone who's um, been invited. Uh, we welcome you, and uh, just our hope and desire is that as you come and worship with us, uh, not only in song, uh, that, we, that you also come together with Refuge uh, to get into God's Word and worship Him by inclining your heart and your ear to Him. So this morning, we are in Acts chapter 8. This is the part three of three parts of this chapter, chapter 8. Uh, this final portion of Scripture in this chapter has to do with Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch who is on his way back home from Jerusalem. And he had gone there to worship, and so he's on his, he finds himself on his way back to Ethiopia and reading uh, a scroll upon which is written Isaiah. And he is in Isaiah chapter 53, as we would know, is chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And uh, so there's this exchange between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. But so much is happening here, so much that we can draw from. And uh, the title of this morning's message is, As the Spirit Leads, As the Spirit Leads. So please turn with me to Acts chapter 8, As the Spirit Leads, I pray that we learn. And as we learn, we understand and we apply God's truth. And so let's start out by reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and we're just going to read a, a few verses here and then get into our study. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time that you've given to us to come together to read, study, and I pray that by your Spirit you would give us understanding. Help us, Lord, that this may become wisdom, not just knowledge of this particular story, but that you would give us um, an understanding of how this applies to us, whether it be as a, as a Christian who is continuing to grow in our understanding of your word, that we may learn how to bring you glory, or it may be someone who is listening and watching this that has not yet surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, hasn't made that profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that this would be the moment in which both the Christian and the non-Christian would be blessed by this message that they would see your faithfulness and the love that you have, not only for the masses, but most importantly, that we would understand your love for the individual. And so we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We truly ask your blessing, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as the Spirit leads... Well, here in uh, this chapter, where, as I said, we're going to be talking about Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. Um, in these first few verses, we see how it is that Philip has been uh, commanded, has been told by the angel of the Lord to go uh, in a certain direction. Uh, is not given any other uh, specifics in regards to why or what or who he's to talk to, uh, but just told to go in that direction. Now, the same Philip is the one that we find back in chapter 7. He was one of the seven men who were called on to serve tables, to take care of the needs of the Hellenistic widows that were, apparently there was a, um, uh, there was a complaint that they weren't being tended to. And uh, so instead of uh, putting them off to the side, of course, they, they wanted to make sure that they were taken care of in the daily distribution, and Stephen was one of those seven that were assigned to minister to them. These men, 
had to have certain uh, characteristics about them. They were to be men of good repute. In other words, they were to have a good reputation both inside the church and outside the church. They were to be men full of spirit, full of the spirit of God, and full of wisdom, and full of faith. Now, most people can understand a good reputation, um, wisdom, or even exercising faith. But the part that many people tend to have questions about, um, wondering how it is that this can be seen or be tangible in one's life, is to be full of the Spirit. You know, you hear that in the church, uh, this, you know, the, the, the term, um, being full of the Spirit, that saying, you know, that, that we are to be full of the Spirit. Well, we know that as Christians, the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have the Spirit that comes and indwells us, takes residence within us. But what does it mean when a, a Christian says that we ought to be, when the Bible says we ought to be full of the Spirit? Well, th those are things that we're going to learn this morning because it was a prerequisite to serving, not as teacher, not as counselor, but simply doing the daily things, uh, the things that were needed to be done around the church in taking care of the widows, for instance, the daily distribution of their needs. Even in that sense, um, these men that served in that manner had to be full of the Holy Spirit. So obviously it's important and it's something that we ought to understand how it looks like, what it looks like in the life of the believer. Uh, I find it, although it says it there in Acts chapter 7 that they ought to be full of the Holy Spirit, I find it interesting that in the list of prerequisites for pastors and deacons found in 1 Tim Timothy chapter 3 and also in Titus 1, um, that you don't see being full of the Spirit specifically in that list. But I believe it's because being full of the Holy Spirit was an obvious, it was a given, not only prerequisite, but something that actually occurs in the life of the person who, have sur who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Uh, a person is then filled with the Holy Spirit. He is a new believer. He is a new creation altogether. And so it, it's, a, it's something that was obvious as far as being a believer, uh, being a mature Christian in Christ, following him, learning to deny the flesh, pick up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. And so that's, what, that's why I believe that perhaps it was left out of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also Titus chapter 1 and the prerequisites for a pastor or a deacon. Uh, with, we know without the Spirit, there's no genuine conversion, there's no salvation, and there's no hope. The Holy Spirit, we know, according to John 14, 26, teaches us all things, leads us in all truth, according to John 16, 13, seals us for the day of redemption, according to Ephesians 4, 30, and convicts us of sin, according to John 16, 8, among many other things that the Holy Spirit does. If there is no evidence of personal learning, no leading in truth, and no conviction of sin, then the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit is missing. You see, we can study the story of Philip as we read it this morning and, and remark on how amazing it is, but it will do us little good if we do not realize that the Spirit was active in Philip's life because Philip had genuinely surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, turning from his sin and choosing to follow where and how the Spirit led, and no longer how the flesh or the world or his pride led him. So that's perhaps the contrast that we could draw uh, between the Spirit and the flesh. That which leads you in the desires of the flesh are worldly. They're filled with pride. They're self-centered. Whereas those things that are led by the Spirit will, will lead you in all truth, even if it's, the, if, if it's things that uh, we don't um, uh, want to do that perhaps won't give us the, the uh, fleshly gratification, uh, momentary happiness. Uh, the Spirit is always contrary to the flesh and the world. And so we have that contrast between the two. Now for Philip, 
for him, it was, it was an, a, an obvious change from what he once was and what he once desired and the way he once thought to where he was now and how he was led was, had everything to do with bringing glory to God and following Jesus Christ. What I pray above all is that you know with evidence, with evidence, there's, there's fruit that needs to be present in our lives as far as our salvation, as far as our uh, proclaiming to be Christians. I pray above all that you know that you are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, that is new, uh, having a new life, a new perspective, and a new hope. Now, Philip was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We saw that earlier in the chapter, and people were completely changed. They became new creatures in Christ, and even Simon the magician witnessed such a radical change in the people that he was amazed. He believed at that point and was baptized. And many of the Samaritans were coming to believe in Jesus Christ. So we saw this uh, as we went through the, the previous portion of this chapter. How it was that Simon came to believe? There were many Samaritan, Samaritans that were uh, becoming uh, believers, followers of Jesus Christ. And so it was, it was a wonderful time of revival in Samaria. Now, the reason for laying this background to our study in these verses is because I believe then as we understand this background, that we will understand why Philip responded to the leading of the Holy Spirit and did what he did. Because then we will understand how the Holy Spirit worked in coordinating, enabling, convicting, and when, pre and when present in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch, it brought much joy, as we see in the conclusion of this chapter, how the Ethiopian eunuch uh, went away rejoicing in the Lord. I believe then we will see how what was being pursued and desired was now possessed and known pers personally, permanently. And that is having hope. Hope. You know, happiness as far as the, the worldly things that we can participate in and, and receive and gain through the world, that's all fleeting, uh, it's all temporary, here one moment and gone the next, but the happiness that we find in Jesus Christ is this contentment, it's this uh, understanding that we have been forgiven of all of our sins. There's really nothing greater than to know that there is therefore now, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We can certainly rejoice, even though we go through certain tribulations and trials in our lives, difficult circumstances, as tough as they may be, do not compare with the glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so it's, it's for that reason, that regardless of what we go through, that we can rejoice because we have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. And one day we will be with him for all eternity. That is the hope that the Ethiopian eunuch went home possessing. That kind of hope. Do you want that hope? I pray and hope that you do. That that's what you desire. If you don't have that hope, you can have that. You can know that hope in Jesus Christ. Now, the spirit we know will lead us into eternal hope. Three things that we're going to see. Uh, rise and go. Go and join. Speak and tell. So number one, rise and go. Number two, go and join. And number three, speak and tell. Now, the first portion, we read through the, the first few verses, but the first portion here is rise and go. Again, let's read verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Rise and go. And so, as we see here, the angel of the Lord directed Philip to leave a fruitful ministry in Samaria. 
it was very fruitful. So many people were coming to faith. And the angel of the Lord came and, and told Philip, Philip, it's time to go. It's time to go to a desert place. A desert place, a barren place, a, not, not somewhere where I think we would choose to go if we had it our way. But the angel of the Lord had different plans. God had different plans for Philip. And so he sent him, he gave him a commandment. You need to go in the direction of the desert and go. And Philip did. Initially, as we read through here, I mean, we go verse after verse, and we very quickly come upon this Ethiopian eunuch. But initially, we need to understand, Philip did not know what he was going to. Was he going to run into someone? Was he not? Was this going to lead to going somewhere else? He, he didn't know. He simply went. Philip understood the angel of the Lord say, rise and go. That's all he was told. Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That, those are all the directions that he was given. The specifics were all right there. Rise and go. And he simply was obedient and he rose and went. Philip did not insist on a confirmation or for more information. He moved and he went, demonstrating with this a trust that he would receive further information as he moved, allowing the Lord to drive because he trusted the Lord to take him where the Lord wanted him to go and do. So lesson number one, when prompted to rise and go, rise and go. When prompted to rise and go, Rise and go. Oftentimes we're looking for more confirmation or a little bit more information in order for us to move. When God tells us to move, we simply ought to go in the direction that he points. Not insist on more confirmation. Not insist on more information, but simply trust that the Lord will take you where you need to go and speak to who you need to talk to. And, and trust in him that he will give you the words to speak at that specific moment to the people or person that he places before you. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire. We are useless, close quote. Well, Philip was obedient, he rose and went, and it just so happens that he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch who was an official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, Candace, uh, I know we pronounce it Candace, but uh, as I looked it up, it was, I, I believe it's, it's uh, pronounced differently, Kandaki. And uh, it's a title uh, much like Pharaoh or King or President. Um, so it's, it's a title. It's not a name, uh, but a title. In other words, for this Ethiopian eunuch, he was the minister of finance for the, the, the queen of Ethiopia. And so he was an important man. He was a noble man. And he was on his way back to Ethiopia from coming from Jerusalem, from the very place that he went to go worship the Lord, Yahweh. He went to go worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what this tells us is that uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem searching, searching. He wanted answers. And he was reading the scroll, searching for answers, looking. He was searching for God. Well, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And this isn't just true as Jeremiah wrote this to the Israelites. Uh, so it's not just true of the Israelites, but this is true of all who genuinely seek the Lord. You know, I know sometimes we take this and we can say, well, in context, you know, he's, he's referring to the Israelites. Well, I want to take you to another place in Scripture in the New Testament, and that's 2 Peter 3.9, which says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. Any, not a single person. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we know that if you seek the Lord genuinely with all of your heart, 
The Lord wants to be found. Not, not that he is lost, we're lost. But as soon as we turn around and, and we, we ask and we genuinely desire to know the Lord, he will open up your eyes to show you exactly who he is and how much he loves you and has demonstrated that love for you by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross in your place. He will be found. God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. God is faithful. He cannot go back on his word. And so Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is, you make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that he was the one who died for your sins, who was buried and three days later rose from the grave. Now, being a eunuch, this man was not able to go into the temple to worship, but he was able to go to it, and he did what he could in what he knew to do. He, he had done that. He had gone to Jerusalem and in, in, uh, in, in participated as much as he could because he was seeking, he was searching, he was desiring to know God. Now, we know that he bought at least one scroll because he had it opened as Philip came to him. He was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8 specifically, is what we had referred to here as him reading. And so we know that he bought at least one scroll and was reading this portion of Scripture. Now, lesson number two, when seeking the Lord, read the Word. You know, sometimes we want to, you know, we say, well, we're searching for God. And, uh, and we're just kind of um, aimlessly groping, you know, as someone that's uh, in the dark for, for the door to see how it is that we're, to see if we can find the door, number one, uh, to open it and allow some light to come in. But the Lord isn't like that. Not not to where, you know, when we're in the world and, and we're in sin, of course, we're in darkness. But as soon as we cry out to the Lord, we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, then His light comes into us. He opens up our eyes to see uh, His truth and to understand it and to apply it to our lives. And so, lesson number two, when seeking the Lord, read the word. When seeking the Lord, read the word. Read, read the Bible. Pick it up and read the Bible. Well, this Ethiopian eunuch was doing that very thing. In Romans ten seventeen says, "So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ." You see, God will always speak through His word, and His Spirit teaches us all things that pertain to God's truth. He will lead us in all truth. He will remind us of scripture. He will lead us to Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to come to the Lord and as we seek him, we are to read the word and find him. God will speak to you through his word. As the Spirit leads, God told Philip to rise and go. Philip rose and went and found himself in this particular situation. Quite unique, quite interesting. The Spirit was leading Philip and he was listening. So rise and go, number one. Number two, go and join. Verse 29, as we continue, says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? So number one, rise and go. Number two, go and join. 
Now, the Holy Spirit is telling Philip to go and join this chariot. Very simple instructions. The first set of instructions was very simple. Rise and go. Go the way of uh, Gaza and uh, down to that desert place. So he went. And now, again, very simple, very clear directions are being given to Philip to go and join this chariot. Now he sees him. He's... You can see him from, I don't know what the distance was, but it, it was uh, close enough for him to see this chariot and this um, entourage with the minister of finance sitting on this chariot, being carried. Now, let's not miss Philip's response to the Lord's leading. Second Timothy 1.7, I'm reminded of this as the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy it's the very same thing that perhaps Paul was desiring to see in Timothy that Philip was expressing in this moment. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so it is, was with Philip. When, when the spirit told Philip to go and join the chariot, Philip didn't walk. He didn't hesitate. He ran to him. He ran up to the chariot and started walking alongside the chariot. And he got close enough to this official, this Ethiopian official, to hear what he was reading. So he had the scroll and it, it was open to Isaiah 53 and he was reading and he heard him read out, li out loud Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, Like a sheep was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And I can just imagine the, the man reading this and just kind of just having a bewildered look on his face. You know, just wondering, who, who is this referring to? In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Philip came up to him, and he got really close to him. Quite a bold move, since this was a, we, we know he was a powerful man. He was traveling with his entourage, and I'm sure there were men there who were ready to protect this man, this Ethiopian official. But it didn't seem as if anyone paid much attention to Philip personally. They didn't feel he was a threat. He just, he ran to him. And he came up beside him and just listened. Just listened. Now, the Spirit led Philip enough for Philip to pick, on, pick up on and understand what the Spirit had led him to do and what to do. Now, we know that the Spirit had told him, hey, um, go and join. But he didn't tell him what to say. He just told him to go. Get close. And he did. And at that point, Philip picked up on what the Lord wanted him to to do. Remember that Philip, and this is the, the things that we need to pay attention to, is that remember what, it, what we said at the very beginning. This is an example in Philip's life of a man who is full of the Spirit, who is led by the Spirit. So here's a great example of what that means, what it looks like. And so as we know, Spirit was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He, he was so... He was saying, uh, rise and go, go and join. And, and there he was with this man who was on his way back home, having previously gone to Jerusalem and worshiped and was seeking the Lord. So the Spirit led Philip enough for Philip to pick, on, pick up on what exactly the Lord wanted him to do. He was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Also in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, and let's turn there. In verses 16 through 20. So Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 20. And this is what, uh, how Jesus prepared his disciples. And so we have Philip, who at this point uh, knows 
and is trusting the Lord. So in, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, or I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, it says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And so the Lord with that, um, you know, he's saying, hey, listen, the, the world is, uh, is a very cruel place. And there are people, there is the world, there, there is Satan um, that is seeking to absolutely destroy you. So just know that, be aware of that. But, but also, be as cunning as a serpent and be as gentle as a dove. Be as innocent as a dove. And so we need to think, you know, Christianity is a thinking faith. It's a faith that requires thinking. But it's also a faith that trusts in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because as Jesus continued on, he said, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. In verse 20, it says, For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. It requires a person, a vessel, who is completely given, surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we are placed in certain circumstances before certain people, we need to trust that the Lord will give us the words to speak at that very moment. Now, Philip is a great example of someone who was confident in the Lord. His trust was in the Lord and not in himself. You know, many people are, are confident in themselves, and that can translate into arrogance and just this, this ugly pride. But this is not what we're seeing with Philip. With Philip, we're seeing this confidence in the Lord, a trust in the Lord, um, to do with him what he wills him to do, to equip him, to give him the right words, to enable him to fulfill the work that God has given him to do. When he asked, when Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? It wasn't uh, something disrespectful. It wasn't a disrespectful question, but it was actually a genuine offer of assistance. And the Philip, Philip picked up on what it is that the Lord wanted him to do as he heard uh, this uh, official reading through. He thought, well, this would be a great way to perhaps start a conversation. And he asked him if he understood what he was reading. Well, the official discerned the genuineness of Philip. And he answered him, how can I? Unless someone guides me. Ah, there's there's that, that uh, opportunity that the Lord provided that divine opportunity for Philip to sit down with this Ethiopian official, the minister of finance, and explain to him Jesus Christ. Well, uh, he didn't have to ask twice. Uh, this man invited Philip up into his chariot, and uh, Philip popped up uh, into his chariot. The exchange is a wonderful picture of one man willing to go and do whatever the Lord asks of him, and the other one willing to listen to what a man of God had been sent to say and explain. It, it was this beautiful exchange between the obedience of one man and the humility in him and the humility and reception in the other one. It, it, was, it was just a, a great, wonderful picture of what the Lord can do in a situation where we have all willing participants. Lesson number three, humility allows God to exalt the person and the situation. Humility allows God to exalt the person and the situation. First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. When a person who is truly humble is exalted by God, he remains humble, knowing who and why he is, he is exalted, knowing who exalted the person, and knowing why he has been exalted to glorify God, and that it is only by God's grace that he has been exalted to do the will of the Lord and to just bless him, to serve him, to glorify him. The Ethiopian official could have looked down at this man walking next to him, 
literally and figuratively, but he didn't. And he was better for expressing this humility toward Philip. And so the official invited Philip to come up to the chariot. Uh, Philip jumped up and sat next to the man and, and then asked Philip about what he was reading. Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. It was a great question. It was key. Some say that, as far as this question, is, uh, these verses are concerned, that it's referring to the nation of Israel. How was that the nation of Israel has uh, suffered, perhaps, in this manner? And, and others, uh, still to this day, think that it had to do with Isaiah. Now, we're not talking about uh, you know, us as the church. Of course, we don't believe that. We know who this is referring to. Uh, but at that point, Israel, they were thinking that it was the nation of Israel that this was referring to, and perhaps even Isaiah. But we know that both of those uh, perspectives is spiritualizing what Isaiah foretold regarding a specific person at a specific time fulfilling a specific event. And that was referring to Jesus and his crucifixion. His trial and crucifixion. This was not a coincidence. And the Lord told Philip to rise and go and then go and join. Philip did that very thing and he was placed in a very unique situation that was ordained by God for Philip to handle. And so it was specific for Philip to go do this specific work with a specific man this Ethiopian official that was going back home from Jerusalem. Lesson number four, God has specific and unique situations ordained for you. God has specific and unique situations ordained for you. Learn to recognize when the Lord is speaking to you and leading you. It really is amazing what God can do with someone who is simply available and willing to go where sent and do when told. So rise and go, go and join, and finally, number three, speak and tell. Verse 35 says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip was asked, and he answered, and told the Ethiopian eunuch, well, simply, the good news about Jesus. If it was just knowledge that was important, then Philip could have answered differently. He could have just had a, given him a simple answer, no, this is referring to Jesus of Nazareth. But what Philip was doing was he was evangelizing. 2 Timothy 4.5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Uh, some people may not be gifted in, quote-unquote, evangelism. You know, it's just the, the actual gifting of evangelism. But we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, to be ready to give the reason for the hope that lies within us. We are to be ready to answer someone, to talk to them, to exchange, uh, to have dialogue, to have conversation regarding the things of God, and to seek to lead people to Jesus Christ, that is, to know him as Lord and Savior. Now, these two verses that we have here, uh, these were just the starting point for Philip to point this man to Jesus and salvation. This gave him the opportunity. The actual verse is part of this story, specific to the situation, but it could have been any verse, and Philip could have begun there and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's what I, I want you to see here, to understand that 
Maybe the, uh, the Ethiopian official, he could have been reading anywhere. And Philip could have started right there and told him the good news of Jesus Christ from that point on. You can be asked about or referred to any verse by anyone at any given time. And what I pray is that we be ready to, from that point, taking full advantage of that moment and knowing that it was God-ordained to lead them to Jesus Christ. So lesson number five, be willing to speak and tell. If someone opens the door to talk about the Bible, then take full advantage of that opportunity to lead them to the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation, repentance, repentance of sins, belief in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And we see that Philip was prepared to make his case regarding the Savior, the reason for the hope he was giving to this man, the reason for the hope that was in him, and he did it with gentleness and respect. Question for us, are you ready? Well, ready with what? When am I ready? When are we ready to give an answer? When are we ready to do this very thing? When we know what and why we believe. When we know what we believe, why we believe. As soon as, in fact, uh, I believe that it's necessary to know that in order to come to a genuine uh, relationship, into a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when, when you realize that Jesus died for your sins, that through him our sins are forgiven. Why? Because he paid for our sins in full on the cross. And because of that, he gave us a way to the Father. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So it's not for us to pay that anymore, that penalty, but Jesus paid for it in full. Why do, why do you believe? Well, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. He came as a sacrificial lamb of God. And to believe that there is no other but Jesus who's died to forgive me of all of my sins. He is the only way, only way to the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when you believe that, then you're ready. You're ready. You're ready in that understanding and knowledge to go talk to anyone and everyone. And Jesus is the Christ. Now, we're not told how far they went, but the timing was so perfect that they came to a pool of water. And when the uh, Ethiopian official saw that pool of water, uh, he asked this question, you know, what prevents me from being baptized? Uh, he, had, he was ready to make a public declaration that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. Just at the point where this man understood he was ready to go public and declare his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the ESV and other translations do not have verse 37. Perhaps you're going through the New King James Version and it has verse 37, but it's because it was not part of the early, earlier manuscripts of Acts. What was added by a scribe is implied by the action. Nonetheless, it's something that we ought to be mindful of. Baptism is a confession of belief and identification with the personal death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ. Dead to our sins and alive in the newness of life in Jesus Christ. In fact, um, verse 37 says that if you believe with all your heart, and this was uh, put in there by, by a scribe in later manuscripts, uh, we read this, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that that is very valuable for us. That when we have someone who wants to be baptized, that this is the place where they need to be brought to. Do you believe? Do you believe? And will you confess publicly? And, and once that, uh, that person is willing, 
uh, out of their own choosing, then they, uh, they can be baptized. Uh, and it's a full immersion. It's not a sprinkling. Um, it's nothing symbolic like that as, as far as just a sprinkling. The, the whole symbolism of it is being brought into the water completely and brought out of the water. This is what happened with Philip in this Ethiopian eunuch. He was, um, he was brought into this pool of water and he was completely immersed in the water. Just as Christ's death was not partial, but he fully died and fully went into the grave and fully rose to new life and was victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Now, lesson number six, do not delay doing what the Spirit prompts you to do today. Lesson number six, do not delay doing what the Spirit prompts you to do today. After the baptism, Philip's mission was complete. The Lord raptured him away to Azotus, uh, continuing to preach the gospel up the coast all the way up to uh, Caesarea. And the eunuch continued on his route south to Ethiopia. And the way he's described on, on his journey after Philip had been taken away uh, was, it, was, it was amazing. It was just evidence of this hope that welled up within him. Now knowing that he has been forgiven of his sins and has the hope of eternal life, it says that he went away rejoicing. His joy, you see at this point, was complete. Is your joy complete? Can you rejoice in whatever circumstances you're in? Have you learned to be content in Jesus Christ? He is our complete satisfaction. He is our the fullness of our hope, and we can rejoice in that truth. Many Christians in the northern region of Africa actually attribute their Christian faith to this Ethiopian eunuch. I have no doubt that what took place on that road has a tremendous, had a tremendous impact, and even still today having a tremendous impact on the furtherance of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the, and the Lord brought Philip to this place to meet with this specific man so that the gospel could be carried on as it was received to Ethiopia, to the northern part of Africa. How wonderful is that? So be ready and willing to, number one, rise and go. Number two, go and join. And number three, speak and tell. I recently read about um, something called hypersonic sound. Perhaps you've heard of this, and we'll conclude with this. Uh, it was actually invented or, or founded, you could say, uh, invented by a man named Elwood Woody Norris. Elwood Norris, uh, otherwise known as Woody. Uh, he engineered sound waves to travel like a laser beam for, and perhaps it's, it's uh, farther now, but up to 150 yards, but like a laser beam. So it was focused in one specific area. They could, they could point um, this device and someone 150 yards away could hear clearly what was being sent to them from that point. But what's interesting is that it could be focused in such a small uh, area that one person could hear it as the sound waves were going, but no one else around him. Anyone else in, in that person's immediate um, uh, uh, area right there, right, could be right next to him, in their immediate vicinity, would not be able to hear what that person is hearing. It would be perfect silence. And if you move out of the path of the sound waves, you wouldn't hear a thing either. You would become oblivious to what is being transmitted. Uh, words can be transmitted, music could be transmitted from 150 yards away, and only one person can hear that uh, when everyone around him could be one foot, two feet away, um, heard absolutely nothing. Now, there are two ways in which I would like to relate this to what we just went over this morning. Number one, are you in the path of the Spirit listening to what He has to say to you? Are you in the path of the Spirit, listening to what He has to say to you? Because He had something to say to you this morning. And I believe that you were in the path. He desired to tell you something this morning. And I pray that you weren't distracted, 
that you weren't thinking about anything else, but you remained in the path of those specific words that we were being spoken to you. This means that as, as we are in his path also, day to day we can be in the path of what the Lord's speaking to us. That the way we, are, we put ourselves in that path is by reading the word of God, praying to God, and uh, in being aware of his presence, of his leading as we become familiar with his word, his character, and application of that word in day-to-day living. Number two, are you aware that at this moment, you are in the path of God's voice, and he is communicating to you through his word. He's communicating to you. You're in, in that direct path. Have you received that? Please don't ignore or step away from the path of travel of his word. He has pointed his word straight at you, whether it was for salvation, as with the Ethiopian official, or for leading you in service, in growing you, maturing you, like Philip. Whatever it may be, I pray that you trust in the Lord and keep your ear and your heart inclined to him. He desires to speak to you, whether a word of encouragement or a word of hope. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, confess your sins to him. Ask him for forgiveness and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. For it is with, uh, with the mouth that we confess that Lord is Jesus, uh, that with the mouth one confesses the Lord Jesus. My goodness, I'm completely drawing a blank. Romans 10, 9. Interesting, sometimes we do that. Romans 10.9, let's see here. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And, um, and so I, I, would, I would ask you, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then right now you would cry out to the Lord and ask him to be Lord and Savior. Because it says in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it is for you that you've heard this and you've come to know that salvation is through Jesus Christ and he's finished the work on the cross. Cry out to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment. We ask that you would continue to uh, resonate this word in our hearts, that we would, Lord, be reminded of Philip's faithful service unto you and uh, this humble reception of the explanation of the good news of Jesus Christ by this Ethiopian eunuch. That as we remember these things, that, um, Lord, you build us up, encourage us according to uh, the truth of your word and give us that hope, remind us of that hope. And I pray, Lord, that we would reach out to whoever it is that you place in our path, with the good news of Jesus Christ. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.